adverse drug reactions or drug side effects are a significant problem in modern healthcare. In fact, according to estimates, adverse drug reactions are the sixth leading cause of deaths worldwide. I am your host Paras Mehta and today on India to Germany, we speak with Dr. Priyanka Banerjee about her research in computational toxicology at Charité, one of Europe's leading university hospitals. Priyanka is a principal research investigator at Charité with several years of experience in the development and application of computational methods for analyzing risk associated with chemical compounds. She is also a lecturer at the Freie Universität Berlin in Germany. Welcome Priyanka, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you Paras, I appreciate the kind introduction. So Priyanka, you have a lot of experience in the area of toxicology and you're also doing research in the field at the moment. Could you tell us a little bit about what toxicology is all about? So uh, let me start with the literal you know, um, description of the field of research. So toxicology is the study of the adverse effects of chemical or physical or biological agents um, on our living system and the ecosystem around us, right? Including uh, the prevention, the understanding, and also reduction of such adverse effect. So chemical in such like its impact on health is usually investigated by the concept of ADME, uh, where it means uh, a chemical is absorbed, distributed, metabolized or eliminated in living system. So what does it mean in in, you know, if I have to broaden the explanation, is that not all chemicals are impactful in the same ways. Sometimes they're metabolized. For example, maybe there is an issue because of the way our liver metabolizes the compound and, and converts it into an inert substance. Um, some chemicals have means to be excreted and while others may not. And uh, considering all aspects of how a chemical gets into the body, uh, how they move within our body and, and how they get out of the body can help us assess the toxicity of a chemical. Okay, so it's all about, uh, about uh, chemicals and their impact on our, on our body. Yes, uh, actually, uh, very much of that. But it's not a very, uh, like, a recent area of research. In fact, uh, if I have to stretch back, you know, it, it's like almost 500 years ago, you know, Paracelsus was known as the father of toxicology. Uh, he acknowledged that the subtle distinction between whether a given chemical uh, will act as a medicine or a poison is often, you know, um, determined the dose and as well as the amount of time uh, at which it is given. So, uh, however, it is only by the 20th century, which is right now in the era of modern science, that Paracelsus understanding of dose-dependent toxicity profiles of chemicals uh, kind of manifested a new definition in terms of like system-level understanding of toxicity. So from science of poisons, which was initially termed as an intoxication, uh, toxicology and its scope has broadened and developed with time and currently has been regarded as the science of safety. And I might be right to even take it a bit forward and call it like a, in terms of medicine as personalized therapeutic administration. 
so it's not just about medicines it uh, and their side effects on our body but it's in general about um, i don't know all sorts of substances and what their effect on the body is yeah exactly so for example, okay so for example even things like i don't know water or other everyday substances also how they impact our body yeah exactly so uh, we, imagine the kind of exposure we have with chemicals on our day-to-day life be it the clothes that we are wearing the computer that we are accessing or the medicines that we are taking the food we are taking they all has a chemical in it right and uh, sometimes it's not within our scope to understand the impact both benefits and risk of all those chemicals but sometimes it's very important if there are new chemicals and we need to know if our system is well you know, uh, kind of connected with this chemical in a beneficial way. So since you talked about day-to-day chemical compounds, so let me uh, uh, give you some interesting and also something that your listeners will enjoy (laughs) in terms of uh, the chemicals that we use on day-to-day life. Uh, So uh, before I start giving the example, let me tell you uh, uh, in what reference I will be providing the example. So to measure the acute toxicity, that means a toxic response associated with a chemical, there are different units, right? And one of the units is called LD50, which means lethal dose value. That is defined as the amount of a substance uh, required to kill 50% of a test population. So, uh, so you know, uh, and it's often measured in terms of, um, you know, mg per kg body weight. So right now, uh, the examples that I'm giving, it's about a human estimation. Uh, the body weight considering this estimation is 75 kg. Uh, so it says that acute toxicity or LD50 value of water is 6 liters. So if you drink like 6 liters of water at once, uh, yep, it can okay. cause some <laughs> side effects. Um, the second interesting, uh, I think, um drink is coffee or caffeine that we take so uh, it's estimated as 118 mugs or cups where one coffee cup is equal to approximately 240 ml and uh, i think the most interesting one and we all know it that it's not good uh, to drink too much is alcohol uh, where uh, 13 shots are considered to be acute toxic at once and where one shot is equal to 45 ml where uh, 40 percent absolute alcohol is concerned so here you oh, okay. go. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was bad for me, but I didn't know how much it was bad for me. No, now you know. <laughs> okay, that's very good to know. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, for, for the statistics. Um, so I know that you are also working in the area of computational toxicology. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, this was uh, basically about, in general, about toxicology. I wonder where does this uh, computational aspect come in? As we talked about, the, we are exposed to various chemical agents through cosmetics and medications and preserved food, environments, and many other sources. I mean, you just take it. And that resulted in severe health issues in humans. And uh, additionally, you know, uh, regulatory authorities from Europe and the United States of America have recognized a, a risk associated with this combined exposure to multiple chemicals. So it's not like one-to-one interaction, but when you are exposed to a combination of chemicals. Now imagine testing all these possible combinations of these chemicals or thousands of compounds is really impractical. It has an experimental limit, right? You can't really do it. And it's also time-consuming. 
So uh, that's where, uh, uh, you know, in silico or computational models comes into picture. And, and, uh, and it's concerned with the development and use of computer-based models to understand and uh, predict the interactions of biological systems uh, with chemicals and their adverse health effects. So these interactions in, can be studied at population type. So we, we can actually measure if a certain chemical is, is having adverse health effect to a particular population, like a group of uh, people, which is very uh, like a common thing in terms of medicine. You do have adverse effects. Uh, which is specific to certain genotype or you know phenotype and uh, it can be measured in terms of individual level so what is bad for me it's not necessarily bad for you and that's where the concept of personalized you know therapy or medication comes in and then of course uh, uh, as a whole you can go and measure in cellular level and which cells it's causing toxic it can be cytotoxic or it can be immunotoxic and so on and molecular level so if you go more deeper, you know which kind of proteins are involved, what kind of you know organs are involved, and so on. So depending uh, on the questions that you have in your mind, you can zoom in and zoom out the focus. And uh, yeah, uh, in fact, um, if I have to go a more onto the contribution of computational models, I'll just take. Uh, or add a few more lines, like in the past 20 years, computational uh, models had like, majorly contributed to the reduction and also replacement to animal testing for cosmetics-related substances. Uh, that's because in many regions across the world currently, now particularly in Europe, uh, there has been a long-standing objection to the use of animals for regulatory testing of chemicals. And I think it's important, and it's also from the ethical point of view, and it's currently banned for cosmetics. So there are no animal testing for, you know, the creams that we're supposed to put on our face and, and, uh, and lotion on our body have been tested on animals anymore. So the major concern is how do we test them? Because it's also important to know if these chemicals are toxic or can cause any skin problem. Like there are several methods, but computational methods are also providing that support. Okay, I know I understand. That's very interesting. So it's uh, you use these models to kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know, like maybe model or predict the effects of uh, such chemicals, and also kind of model how, let's say, different chemicals might interact with each other. So let's say if I'm taking a medicine A, mm -hmm. and then I take another medicine, uh, how, if there could be a sort of an adverse toxic effect, uh, or a reaction between the two. Exactly. So, um, rightly said, like, you know, a single chemical may not be toxic. It might be a very clean and it doesn't really interact with the, you know, uh, wrong uh, or the right proteins in your body. But when it comes with another chemical, it has a synergistic toxic effect. So, the combination is also important uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, predicting the adverse effect. Yes. Okay. But does toxicology deal only with? the adverse effect of a chemical or does it deal with in general effects of chemicals so um, mostly like you know all, all the chemicals uh, we believe that there is some health concern be it medicine be it, be it like the environmental uh, chemical or the food chemicals right so uh, now the question is how much is too much right so everything should have a benefits and a risk uh, ratio. 
So, um, and uh, the ideal combination or ideal status would be more benefits and less risk. So it's not, uh, so toxic is a very extreme word. So I would not say um, it's only deal with the toxicity is like, you know, that's like where the chemicals should be banned. But knowing that how, how much you should take it and where you should stop might just make you better regulate the chemical and use it for the right purpose. So true. So it's more, uh, it's a lot of like uh, different thresholds that exist between toxic and non-toxic. True. Yeah, I agree. Also, the quantity definitely matters a lot also here. Yes. Uh, yeah. So and your uh, area of research specifically within this broad field, uh, what is that about? So, um, so as we deal with a lot of predictive chemical toxicology, so uh, there are like several domains of research. And if I have to like roughly divide them, it will be into four categories. And one is very important is data mining, because, you know, uh, the good news are always available. So we always know how the chemical works, and it's going to help it. But the bad news are not always available. So you need to mine the data, you need to know uh, uh, where you can get the experimental data and uh, if a compound fails in terms of toxicity testing then it's not really accessible to the public researchers so uh, you need to mind the literature you met you need to uh, you know collaborate with the right people and even after that when you gain the data because data is very important in terms of you know when you want to have a model built on it so uh, you need to standardize the data and to talk to the uh, domain expert uh, who is basically tell you w- what kind of experiments were done and if this data makes sense and you need to standardize that. So it's it's really um, not an easy job. It requires a lot of um, time. It's a dirty job and it's also the one of the most important job if I have to uh, say. So data mining or data integration is very important. The second part, which I can say roughly is biological profiling, which is basically uh, you add another level of data, which is toxicogenomics data. So you have chemogenomics or metabolomics data. And then uh, very standard with respect to chemical toxicology is QSR model, which is basically uh, a model which uh, describes like quantitative structure activity relationship. So with every structure of a molecule or a chemical compound, you try to measure if that influences their activity or not, right? So you um, measure them in terms of a model or equation. And then um, a very recent, maybe 10 years, toxicoinchemoinformatics, which is basically uh, dealing with toxicity data, with chemistry and informatics knowledge, um, which deals with chemical genomic studies so you have the chemical and genomic data you try to interpret that and then you have you study about the chemical diversity so how diverse uh, this uh, one class of chemical is if you're talking about um, the uh, that ones are toxic and non-toxic do they have like conserved behavior or they don't Right, and then uh, chemical neighborhoods, which is interesting because it also comes from the graph theory, and you know, and and social network or social media, we do see that there is a neighborhood behavior. Yeah, you tend to like the same kind of post uh, which your friends 
uh, ends up sharing or you have close friends, you know, you, you, you can really predict the personality of one person by the neighborhood that the person is located or behaving with. So, and it's very similar uh, with terms of chemical. So we try to see if uh, the close neighbor in terms of different descriptors that could be the structure of the chemical or the properties of the chemical. And if we see that they behave in the same way. So I think that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. Also, I find this analogy between kind of social networks and neighborhoods in graphs and how you apply them to a completely different field. I find that very interesting, I have to say. Yeah, it's it's completely interdisciplinary uh, uh, area of research. So, uh, and, and it's also a very inclusive area of research. So you can come with completely different knowledge and you can still contribute because uh, there are different uh, types of project. One project needs a bit more specific knowledge like from the domain. And one project might need just completely different knowledge which can help to even the domain experts to see things differently and more, you know, uh, accurately. So uh, a lot of uh, thinking out of the box is appreciated in this kind of uh, research. And you're free to do a lot. Uh, and of course, you are also at the same time learn a lot because you fail a lot if you try something new. And uh, and also, I must say that uh, it's similar. Most of these methods that I've talked about is also used for uh, coming up new properties of N chemicals, not only toxicity, or it could be like if you're discovering a new drug or uh, any kind of activity of a chemical, you can use this methods. It, they are very general in that way. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, this is a very interdisciplinary area of research. I wonder what kind of skills does one need to um, yeah, move into this field? So, you know, uh, this field came because our um, or existing because of uh, rapidly evolving data resources that are coming from various levels of uh, information or research areas such as uh, chemistry, structural bioinformatics and cheminformatics, metabolomics, proteomics, genomics, and, and also uh, understanding their interconnections and has been the foundation of this kind of predictive toxicities. Uh, in short, toxicology is, uh, uh, is a translational science uh, transferring knowledge from basic science into practical applications and mainly focus on uh, safeguarding the public health and the environment. So from knowledge uh, in mathematics to statistics, computer science, uh, to chemistry, biology, even physics can contribute to the field of computational toxicity prediction. So it's a very inclusive field as I spoke, uh, talked about it. And uh, I, when I started working on it, I had no idea about it. I was from the domain of chem informatics or chemistry background, and I realized that uh, this uh, is an interesting field, and 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 I just made my way to it with uh, with interesting projects. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, also I can totally understand because you know on the one hand we are dealing with chemicals, and then on the other hand there is biology because it's about the the organism. And then there is also the computational aspect. So yeah, it's really, I think, I guess people from many different fields can work in this area. Yes, and I think um, what makes me feel like uh, this uh, field of science is very interesting because it really connects to the day-to-day -day life instances. Like, you know, you are making an impact that you can see very closely and directly uh, because the the chemicals that you're using in your medicines or food or, you know, in the environment, 
you know, and you're making yourself aware as well as the community aware of it. So that's a that's that's a great motivation, I think, uh, to work on field like this. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. It can really have a very positive impact on, on the lives of so many people. I mean, actually, I'm also curious about how you yourself uh, ended up getting into this field at Charité in the first place. So, yeah, it's a long story. I'll just try to make it short. (laughs) As I said, that it wasn't planned that I will be doing research in computational toxicology. But, yeah, let's start. Like, after completing my bachelor's studies, I moved to Germany in the year 2010. And uh, I ended up in the University of Bonn, where I was doing my master thesis. And I was exposed to the world of chem informatics there. And I really liked it. I loved the subject. And then I moved to Heidelberg for a short stay for one year uh, for my master thesis. And eventually, as uh, as you may say, the destiny had for me. So I joined Humboldt University Computational Systems uh, Graduate School um, for my PhD. And, and, and at the same time, joined J because uh, my supervisor, Dr. Robert Preisner, uh, was then one of the PIs of the graduate school. And uh, so when I was planning my PhD topic, he always like supported me to come up with independent research ideas and work on the issues that I'm passionate about. And um, at a very early stage uh, of my research, I realized or he, he allowed me to lead projects and explore research ideas, which now if I look back, which I might have doubted initially because, you know, I, I'm I'm an like a new person in research and, and suddenly uh, trusting uh, all of it uh, and having the confidence is kind of challenging. But he always supported. He always uh, supported uh, any person who wants to think out of the box and want to do something new. Uh, so uh, computational toxicology wasn't the main focus of our group initially. Uh, but during my PhD research, um, it kind of gained more interest and focus. And uh, sooner we realized that if we want to discover good, safe drugs, medicine, chemicals, uh, we cannot ignore the risk associated with it. So there are basically two sides of the same coin. So, you know, ideally inversely proportional to each other. That means a good chemical should always have benefits more and less risk. And if you don't study the risk, you don't know how good it is. So. Yeah, that's how I ended up working on this field. And uh, now you're working at Charité. Um, I mean, Charité is famous, at least in Europe, it's really famous. I think it's one of the biggest university hospitals, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how is your experience of working there? Yeah, uh, so my experience has been really positive, And that's the reason I, I've been, I stayed there even after my PhD. So I saw a, a great freedom while I wanted to explore different ideas, I think it's very important for any science lover that you have the freedom to work and things that you connect with. And and also the support in the best sense that I've asked for from our institute director to my immediate supervisor. So it's been a very supportive environment. So uh, uh, many of this project actually involved a substantial amount of collaboration, uh, both with other researchers within the institute and at international level. So along with students and the clinicians. And uh, all of this experience uh, placed me in a position that uh, or to successfully do my research and contribute further into this area. So I must say that 
working with clinicians is a very uh, important step to understand the risk and benefit benefit profiles of drugs and i think the best advantage of working in a clinical setting is that you are in close contact um, with the clinical experts and on a day-to-day basis and you are aware of the reality of the situation so you know you're not just uh, publishing blindly and working and being in a world that is not has an immediate connection with the people who are going to you know probably be benefited with your research it's it's like when it comes to patient centric drug discovery you you see a real uh, world evidence right in front of your eyes yeah so so you connect your research and motivate yourself and uh, how you can make a difference in every everyday people's life and and to be honest it's not always the big discovery or loud successful moments we do have that but it's not always that uh, which seems to be like the big thing in science but also small significant uh, confirmation and confidence that you work your work matters you know and there can be a visible direct connection to the patients or clinical needs and and that also depending on the project so and it's not of course not with all the projects you get that kind of uh, opportunity but uh, most of the time you do get that uh, recently which has been the covid-19 experience and and um, we had amazing uh, time uh, working with different uh, clinicians because uh, you know they helped us to see things and also keep us humble because uh, i remember and i think it's interesting for the listeners uh, we were working on drugs and we wanted to find out of course the cure like everyone else and then uh, we were trying to tell them how good our drug is and the clinicians always tell us you know for us no drug is good as long as it's not saving lives <laughs> 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 i think that's very important and and getting that kind of answer can make you feel like okay <laughs> that's true <laughs> and uh, so i mean i'm sure a lot of people would be hearing this and also would be wondering if you have any suggestions for them in case they are looking to do research at charity i will start with some general uh, specification because if they're planning to do a phd of course a supervisor is essential um uh, it's a crucial step right so uh, please look into their academic profile and their publications and uh, uh their past supervising experiments uh if possible get in touch with their older students if they're new supervisors uh then uh be open for a chat and talk to them you know try to know them it's absolutely fine your supervisor is equally concerned of hiring a new person as you are concerned to be in with a new mentor right so <laughs> so it's it's a both way thing and now uh, now because i'm closer to the supervisor or i'm supervising i can tell you very honestly that you know uh, it's not only the students who are nervous we are too because we also want to give the best experience and uh, you don't necessarily need a famed scholar uh, who may not give you enough time and attention if you are the one who needs close supervision of course and so choose wisely and um, and uh, working in an interdisciplinary area like the toxicity related research also increases your you know employability factor outside academia post phd so not everyone who does a phd wants to be in the academic setting and i think it's healthy to keep that option open and especially if you're not very passionate about staying in academia it's okay right so uh, so that's one point and uh, and i think it's a very repetitive word passion and commitment I have heard that so many times and I always felt like 
why but today i can tell you it's so important while supervising students i really understand that this is an important factor we don't have any measure for that so when i'm interviewing people i don't know that i can't measure that iq of course one can measure or can estimate sometime so uh, but passion takes you further it can make you uh, be very curious about your work and and uh, and it's important to have that for your subject so it does not mean that uh, you know you need to be uh, or in a place where you enjoy the pain no obviously not uh, but you should be able to see the you know silver lining that lies ahead so keeping the positive thing and phd is very challenging in that sense uh, so these are the plus points and working at uh, a medical institute like charity also allows you to experience teaching at the university level i think that's very important uh, it helps you to communicate your science at a very early age to diverse audience uh, that's uh, in this case would have been student from medical informatics data science and bioinformatics uh, in my case i was appointed as a teaching assistant on the like from the first year of my PhD, uh, I did not appreciate it that that point because I felt like it added pressure. But today, I think it really helped me to understand my subject much better. So, uh, so bad news if you don't like teaching. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can always say no, but just don't do it because you have to do it. Otherwise, it's bad for you and as, as well as the students. So, uh, and uh, rightly said, you know, by learning, you teach and by teaching, you learn. And so also for people who are looking to do research in the field of uh, toxicology, perhaps you could give some advice about major trends or topics of research that they should consider. So as, uh, as I've already said, like many times, uh, computational toxicology is a broad area of research and uh, it includes many exciting topics. And, and there is an excellent focus right now on safer chemicals and green chemistry and especially because of the new EU, uh, you know, uh, Green Deal that came into focus. So uh, risk assessment methods are very important for regulatory testing. So, you know, chemicals, there, there's always new chemicals coming up in the market and you need to know how to test them. So this is an interesting field. And we talk about drug-drug interactions and uh, it's very important because... Uh, uh, many people at, at after a certain age goes uh, for multiple therapy like you know you can have a lot of comorbidities like diabetic heart problems and you're taking uh, multiple medicines at the same time and 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 the combination of this medicine has to be understood uh, whether they are beneficial or they are not beneficial for you so this clinical relevant drug drug interaction is an interesting study which involves a lot of other interesting questions in it so drug food interactions so basically if you're taking a drug and you're taking some food right after or before it then the chemicals in the food can cause um side effects because in interacting with the drug so you need uh, th this is a very great uh, important area of focus currently so one can also study about that food allergy is an another important point in europe we see a lot of people also uh, rest of the world, there is a nut allergy. I'm, I'm associated with a clinical research unit at Chaite, we where we are trying to address biomarkers which are involved for food allergy uh, in terms of nuts. And uh, especially with uh, babies, how do they develop after their birth? And some people don't have it, some have it. And what, make, what makes those uh, people who have it, 
what are the specific genes that are involved and so on. Talking about toxicity predictions at Chaitay, we developed some platforms we called uh, Protox, and it contains around uh, 50 toxicity prediction models, and they're based on machine learning algorithms. So you can do a lot uh, AI-based uh, research or predictive uh, methods uh, in this field. And uh, yeah, to name a few, these are the research interests. And who knows, uh, once you start and you come up with a new topic and <laughs> and make a new uh, domain of research. Yeah. <laughs> now, this sounds very interesting, actually. And particularly, what I like is that it has a real impact on people's lives. And of course, it's such an interdisciplinary area that's also very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and experience on this topic with us, uh, Priyanka. Yeah, thank you, Paras. I very much appreciated the opportunity to share a few thoughts that I could. Uh, and that could be helpful for your listeners and thank you for inviting me i'm honored and uh, yeah thank you very much that's all folks remember to subscribe to our podcast and check out our blog on india to see you in the next episode